listening to First Church Charlotte. Amen, amen, amen. I do want to greet Pastor and honor him in his absence. And uh, Lady Elms as well. And of course, Bishop David and Linda Elms. I do want to honor them likewise. because They've been such great leaders to us. Amen. Amen. They've been fantastic. So tonight, we've worshipped, we've fellowshiped, we've sang. But I do want to share this word because I believe that God gave it to me for a purpose. And I know that someone is in need of this word tonight. Amen? Amen. 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 So if you would turn your Bible real quick. Uh, we're going to go to Matthew chapter number 18. We're reading verses 21 and 22. He can preach this word too. <laughs> amen. Amen. So everybody there, let's read together. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Up to 70 times seven. So that's 490 times, right? Amen. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for being in your house, being able to partake of your word and to share your word with your people. I pray tonight that you will speak, Lord God, so that they might hear from heaven and not from me necessarily, but so that you would speak to each and every one tonight that which you would have them to hear from this word. As this word has blessed me, Lord, I pray that you will bless them likewise. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Okay, I got to get in the mic, she says. Get in the mic, all right. Amen. So to fully understand what Jesus was saying in this particular text, as Pastor always says, you have to look at the context. Amen? So if you were to read in Matthew chapter number 18 from where we read and step back a few verses and then come forward to where we read, you will see that what really Jesus was speaking about is not just forgiving one another, which is the main story, right? But he was also talking about general Christian conduct. If you were to read in that chapter, you will see that the Lord is really talking about how we treat one another. And especially when someone has hurt us, and especially when someone has harmed the church. Amen? And what he was saying, if you were to read it carefully, he was saying, listen, there's some things that you have to do in order, right? He said, first take them, go talk to them personally, right? Then take them to the elders of the church, and then take them to the body of the church. And if they still don't want to humble themselves, then you know what you have to do. So the context is in Amos chapter number one, where the Jewish rabbis taught that you don't have to forgive someone more than three times. Three times, three strikes, they're out, right? And so I think, um, you know, Peter in this particular context was, was going above and beyond. And he was saying, all right, so in the Old Testament, we have three times. We're going to go beyond that, and we're going to go seven times. But when the Lord responded to him 70 times seven, I think it shocked him. It shocked him to see that there was more that was required of him, more than just a limited number of forgiveness. And that's what I'm talking about tonight. 
My title is Godly Forgiveness. Godly Forgiveness. We, we really need to see the heart of God. Speaking through this particular text, saying, don't limit yourself to just forgiving a few times. Consider yourself more broadly than that and forgive as many and as bountifully as is necessary. Jesus responded that forgiveness should be offered 490 times in this text, far beyond what Peter was proposing. And it must have stunned him at the time, although they had been with Jesus for some time at this point. They were still looking at forgiveness, much like it was in the law, where things were very specific. You do this, you do that to counter it, right? There were very, very specific things that had to be done. But here Jesus was kind of giving them a new word, a new law. He was saying, listen, you have to go well beyond that. Amen? Now, if you're going to forgive like this, you need the Spirit of God inside of you. I remember... Um, before I got saved, I struggled with this. I struggled, and maybe, it's, maybe that's the reason the Lord gave me this word. I struggled with forgiveness. I didn't get saved until I was in my 20s. And although I was in, in church from, from a child, but um, I had a temper. My mom will tell you about that. Um, I don't have a temper anymore. I don't have a temper anymore. When, when the Lord saved me, he took that, that temper away. I remember I used to hold people up. I used to uh, plan. I used to plan how I was going to get them back. Anybody else like that? It may just be me. And it occurred to me that I was being more negatively affected than the person that I would not forgive. The, the, the unforgiving spirit was eating me alive. And it was causing me more pain than the person that I was holding up in my heart. They were on about their business. They were gone. Right? They were happy-go-lucky. And I was here sulking, trying to connive and figure out a way and plan a way to get back at them. So I was being hurt, right? By my unforgiving spirit. Paul teaches us in Ephesians chapter number 4 and 32. He admonishes us rather. He says, we want to forgive one another even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Here again, the forgiveness is not to be meted out in a limited fashion. But it is to be abundant and overwhelming and available to all. Right? If you're just going to give what you get, then you have your reward. But what Jesus has given us is way more than we would ever be able to give him. Amen? It was a debt that we couldn't pay back. It was a debt that we were unable to pay. And so he paid it on our behalf. Amen? So I wanted to find out what this, this forgiveness looked like. When, when the rubber meets the road, what does it really look like? How is it applied more practically to you and I? How do we understand this forgiveness and then turn it around and then apply it in our relationships? So I started doing a little bit of reading. First, I went to a definition. Baker's Dictionary gave me several definitions. The Hebrew term or word for forgiveness, there are three that are the most popularly used. The first one is Salah. The next one is Kapah. The third one is Nasar. 
and they all kind of mean the same thing. It means the complete restoration of relationship. So I want you to think about that. So someone's harmed you, and it broke the relationship in whatever way it broke it. Maybe it's a relative, maybe it's a, a really good friend, maybe it's a betrayal, maybe they told lies on you, and it betrayed your trust in them, and it damaged your relationship with that person. What, what the Lord is saying in this text, and what in this case Paul is saying, that when you forgive this person, the true definition of forgiveness is a complete restoration of that relationship. So you want to go back to the place before the relationship was broken. You want to go back to a place where y'all were good. Right? How many know what I'm talking about? You were good. All right. So this keyword restoration means to start over like it never happened. And we read in Matthew chapter number 6, verse 14, it says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father would also forgive you. But if you do not forgive them, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. What does that mean? Right? You're going to hell. <laughs> Can I make it any more plain than that? Sin is not going to enter into heaven. And so if you don't forgive, you're carrying sin with you. And you're going to be stopped. Amen? And so the Lord says you need to take care. So I, that's probably the verse that kind of grabbed me by my collar and said, listen, you know, this is more serious than you think it is. Unforgiveness can actually keep you out of the presence of God. And I did not want that to be my, my situation. right? I did not want unforgiveness to keep me from experiencing eternal life with the Lord. Amen? All right. From personal experience, I told you I've struggled with that. Thank the Lord. He forgave me and he delivered me. All right. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been forgiven a debt? that you could have never repaid. Someone, I'm not talking about the Lord forgiving you. I'm talking about like you and me kind of thing. Someone, someone hooked you up in a way that, you know, you never expected. And it was overwhelming. Anyone here willing to raise their hand? It's a Bible study. Come on, you can, you can participate. I saw four hands. Four and a half. Is that you, Brother Raul? <laughs> All right. Um, a burden is lifted, right? The debt has been repaid. A debt that you couldn't pay back. But someone came and relieved your burden. Let me tell you from this experience that I had that it's the best feeling in the world. Right. When, when I realized that I was being harmed by my unforgiving heart and I was finally able to let that go, it was one of the best feelings in the world. And I tell you that because I'm hoping that you can see that as well. So if you've got a situation in your life today where perhaps you're struggling with forgiving someone, 
And that's really where the rubber meets the road, right? If you've got a situation where maybe someone in the church talked about your shoes. Yeah? Or someone said something that was offensive and it got back to you. You may not have even verified it, but it got back to you and it's eating you alive. You don't have to raise your hand. You can just nod. Right? I am encouraging you to take that to the altar. Give it to the Lord and find it in your heart to forgive them. So, so this is where I really struggled with my pride. Because it means not just to say the words. Pretty much anyone can say, I forgive you. But as, as you will learn here in a minute, that's not really where forgiveness happens. Saying the words are easy. But doing the thing, to forgive is a verb, it's an action Phrase. It's something that we have to do rather than something that we say. And so in my research, I found that, wow, I really wasn't getting the full benefit of forgiveness just by saying the words. What I really needed to, to do was to completely restore the relationship. That takes a little bit of work. It takes putting your pride away. It takes humbling yourself. Right? And so I went to the Lord and said, Lord, how am I going to do this? Um, you know, I, I always read in, in, in the scripture that the Lord is merciful and he's gracious. You know, and, and, and even in the Old Testament, he's merciful and gracious. Right? Um, and the, in the Old Testament, we see um, the balance of his mercy and forgiveness with his requirement for justice, right? Because he is a righteous God and righteousness requires justice, right? And we always see the Lord balance his justice with his mercy. But I even went back to the, the Old Testament and said, I wonder how many times the Lord would balance on the side of forgiveness over judgment and justice. And as it turns out, even in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, it's overwhelmingly mercy and forgiveness, right? But even in the Old Testament, I found quite a number of places where the Lord would prefer mercy and forgiveness over justice. Let me give you a couple of them. Exodus 34 and 6. And the Lord passed before him, him being Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Nehemiah 9 and 17. They refused to obey, and they were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them. But they hardened their necks, and in their rebellion, they rebelled against God. But in their rebellion, they appointed a leader to return them to their bondage. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and you did not forsake them. Amen? Amen? Psalms 86 and 15. But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. And here we see, even before 
the Lord Jesus Christ himself came and brought grace and truth to us in the fullest sense. Even then, God was pardoning. He was kind of tipping his hand, right? He was kind of saying, hey, I, I love you. You know, I, can't, I cannot uh, live with sin amongst me. And sometimes I have to administer justice, but I love you anyway. Kind of like how my parents were. Even when my mom was, was beating me half to death, she was saying, I love you. <laughs> and this is why I'm doing it, because I love you. Maybe it's just my mother did that. She, she, she would be spanking us and saying, I'm spanking you because I love you. And you will remember this day. And she would say, and you're going to thank me for it. I'm like, Ma, the, the lovely mother that you see come here from time to time and walk around, that's not the Sister Dixon I was raised with. I just, <laughs> that's the grandma, Sister Dixon, for my kids, but that's not my, you know, anyway. Completely different person, completely different person. So from this definition, Believers are encouraged to forgive in the same way Christ has forgiven us. Wow. Wow. So I started digging some more. I found in my research a writer 300 years ago, a gentleman by the name of Thomas Watson. He was a, an old-time preacher in England, lived about 300 years ago. And he was doing some research on the Lord's Prayer, that section that says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so he asked the question of himself rhetorically, when, when do we forgive? And he wrote the answer this way. We will forgive fully when we strive against all thoughts of revenge. When we will do our enemies, when we will not do our enemies mischief, but instead wish them well. We will grieve at their calamities. We will pray for them. How many pray for their enemies? We will seek reconciliation with them and show ourselves ready on all occasions to relieve them. That's what he says. And each of those, I looked up and found that each of those phrases almost identically was found in scripture. Resist thoughts of revenge, Romans 12 and 19. Quote, never seek to take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So we want to resist the, the thought, even the thought of revenge, because the thoughts will come. You cannot give space to the thought, you can't entertain the thought, because the thought will overwhelm you, and before long you'll find yourself doing the thought. So the Bible says that we should resist even the thought. Amen? Amen? Do not seek to do them mischief. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 15. See that no one repays another evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. All of these are in the Bible. Wish them well. Luke 6 and 28. Bless those who curse you. Amen? That's easier said than done. It's easier said than done. You know, if we were to actually practically apply these, um, 
look for ways to practically apply them to our lives, you will begin to see a molding, a changing in your attitude, in your life, and in your heart towards um, your enemies. I um, was teaching uh, Bible study, my, my small group, um, last week, and some of these same themes came through. In order to really get to your enemies, to where you, br- you break them down, break down the, the hatred, try praying for them earnestly. Because when you pray for someone, you have to first put them in your heart. Right? When you put someone in your heart, it becomes harder and harder and harder to hate them. Because you know that's where the, the Lord deals, right? Right? So, so I encourage you, if you are struggling to forgive someone, start praying for them. Start praying for them. Grieve at their calamities. This is harder too. Proverbs 24 and 17. Do not rejoice when your enemies fall. And do not let your heart be glad when they stumble. Oh my. Godly forgiveness, right? Pray for them. We went over that. Matthew 5 and 44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. These last two I find to be very difficult. Seek reconciliation with them. Romans 12 and 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be peaceful or live peaceably with all men, the King James says. So what does that mean? It means that you're going to have to step over the hate line and go humble yourself to the person with whom you're having a challenge. And, you know, in a sense, you're going to have to ask their forgiveness. It's the most effective way that I've found it to be. Right? The Bible says if your brother have ought against you, don't wait for him to come to you. You go to him. So that's what you have to do. You know, you, you've got differences, but you know, if you want to live a Christ-filled life, a Christ-centered life, you're going to have to, you know, break your, your 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 pride down and go to that person and say, "Hey, listen, I know we're fighting. This has been going on for some time, but I want us to forgive one another. I want us to love one another." Here's that word, love. Forgiveness is rooted in love, right? You know, true love, right? Godly love, right? Last one. I'll come back to that in a second. Be always willing to come to their relief. Exodus 23 and 4. If you meet your enemy's ox or donkey wandering away, you shall surely return it to him. So these things we ought to practice if we want to to engender godly forgiveness in our lives. Resist revenge. Not returning evil for evil, wishing them well, grieving at their calamities, praying for their welfare, seeking reconciliation, and coming to their aid or distress. All of these things point to a forgiving heart. And Matthew 18.35 says, This is how my heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. From your heart. Um, So forgiveness is not ignoring the sin, right? Forgiveness 
is not putting the offender on probation. You know how we do? If you do this one more time, that's not forgiveness. It's not limited or merely refusing to retaliate. It's more than that. It's going the extra mile. Right? It's going the extra mile. All right. So I wanted to find a good example of this. So I went back to, if you remember, South Africa, right? Uh, living on the system of apartheid, legal apartheid. And years after apartheid was abolished, they uh, convened what's called the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Anybody remember they heard of that? Right? And I went digging around for examples of forgiveness there. And I'd heard some stories, but I wanted to kind of I wanted to kind of find one that spoke to this biblical kind of forgiveness that the Lord gives us. So let me read that for you. The scene is in a courtroom in South Africa. A frail black woman stands slowly to her feet. She's obviously well in her years. Facing her from across the room are several security police officers. One of them a Mr. Vanderbrook. He had just been tried and found guilty in the murder of the woman's son and husband. He had come to the woman's home, taken her son, shot him at point-blank range, then burned the young man's body while he and his officers partied and celebrated. Several years later, Mr. Vanderbrook and his cohorts returned to this house, to the woman's house, and took her husband. They took him, and for four months, she hadn't heard anything from him. And then almost two years later, after her husband's disappearance, this man came back to fetch her. Her husband was still alive for two years. Her husband was still alive. Mr. Vanderbrook and his friends took this lady back to her husband. He was bound hand and foot by the riverbank, beaten but still alive, strong in spirit, and he was lying on a pile of wood. And the last words she heard from his lips as Vanderbrook and his fellow officer poured gasoline over his body and set him aflame was, Father, forgive them. So this godly forgiveness thing that we're talking about goes beyond words. When the woman stood in the courtroom and listened to the confessions of Vanderbrook, a member of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission turned to her and said, so, lady, what do you want? How should justice be meted out to this man who has so brutally destroyed your family? And without hesitation, she said, I want three things. I want first to be taken to the place where my husband's body was burned so that I can gather up the ashes and the dust so I can give his remains a decent burial. She paused, then continued. Secondly, my husband and son were my only family. I want, therefore, for Mr. Vanderbrook to become my son. I would like for him to come twice a month to the ghetto where I live and spend a day with me so I can pour out on him whatever love I have remaining. And finally, she said, I would like for Mr. Vanderbrook to know 
that I offer him my sincere forgiveness because Jesus Christ died to forgive. This was also the wish of my husband, she said. I would like for someone now to kindly come and take me over to his side, lead me across the courtroom so that I can take Mr. Vanderbrook in my arms, embrace him, and let him know that he is truly forgiven. As the court assistants came to her to lead her across the room, notice she didn't say, let him come to me. She wanted the act to be on her shoulders. And she said, take me to him. So as the assistants took her across the room, Mr. Vanderbrook fainted, overwhelmed by emotion and by, by what he had just heard and experienced. As he struggled for conscience, uh, consciousness, those in the courtroom and family and friends, all victims of decades of similar oppression and injustice, began to softly sing, but assuredly, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I'm sure that Vanderbrook didn't expect this, this display of forgiveness and love from that woman. It wasn't just her words. It was this overwhelming physical display of wanting to be reconciled. Wanted to go before the violence was placed upon her. Wanted to make it one. There's really no resisting this kind of forgiveness. It's the kind of forgiveness that overwhelms you like it did this man. So forgiveness is something that we must do, not just say. That's what this, this teaching taught me. It's more than just saying the words. And I know many of you, I know at least a couple of you, have told me about how difficult it has been for you to forgive. But you've got to make that leap across the line and say, I've got to do what is necessary so that my soul be saved, but also the next person. Amen? Amen. 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 I know it's a, it's a heavy message, but I want us to really think about our relationship and connection to one another. You know, the Lord, the Lord didn't have to. As a matter of fact, some would say that he, he might have changed his mind one time. He didn't, really. If it be possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will but thy will be done. The decision was made in Gethsemane. The decision was already made. The decision was already made. It was just the path he had to take. And the path sometimes is a little painful. Amen? The path is a little painful. How many know the path is a little painful sometimes? But we have to step over that barrier so that we can experience that burden being lifted. Could you imagine that man in that courtroom? I'm sure his heart burst when that woman came over and hugged him and insisted that he came to her house. That's the kind of love that we give. Amen? How many want to do forgiveness? Yeah, I want us to do forgiveness. I don't want us to just say forgiveness. I want us to do forgiveness. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to pray for you. Would you stand, please?
Father, we thank you once again. You are the only one who can forgive like no one else can. And we ask that you give us this heart, this spirit, so that we too can experience this love that would cause us to forgive, to step over the barriers that are before us. Every barrier of forgiveness that keep us from one another, keep us from bonding again, keep it, keeping us from restoring the relationship. We ask, dear God, that you strengthen us so that we will be able to do that so that you can be glorified in our lives. Amen. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. God bless you. forgiver I mean that was such a good word thank you brother Dixon we love you I'm a I'm a product of his teaching in fact I was in many of his Sunday school classes so it, it just brings back memories but thank you guys for coming out on a Wednesday night why don't you turn to somebody and say I just forgive you even if I don't even know why I'm forgiving you I forgive you we love you have a good rest of your week and we'll see you Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come join us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road at the corner of Shamrock Drive. Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. and Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Online, find us at firstchurchclt.com or like us on Facebook or Twitter. We hope to see you soon. Come worship with us.